Once upon a midnight dreary, while I pondered, weak and weary, over many a quaint and curious volume of forgotten lore, while I nodded, nearly napping, suddenly there came a tapping, as of someone gently rapping, rapping at my chamber door. "'Tis some visitor,' I muttered, tapping at my chamber door. Only this, and nothing more. You're listening to episode 50 of Fatalist, a podcast devoted to the supernatural series Lost Girl and all things sci-fi, supernatural, fantasy, and horror. My name is Dave, and I'm joined as always by my co-host Wayne. And Wayne, it has been dreary as hell in Maryland the last week. Okay, so I was wondering what in the hell is a tie-in? <laughs> Look, why is he really pow? Yeah, but you know what? That I think that's a good segment. You know, we we can we can read a poem each week. Yeah, I like it. I, I'm I'm down with that for sure. Yeah, I mean, geez, we we just using Poe, we could probably go for another year. Yeah, well, maybe not a year, yeah. but. Yeah, well, I was wondering if it was like because I don't I know he was killed around election time because that's like a theory that he was he got caught up in like that people who used to like round up people and get him like completely drunk and then take him out to vote and then do it again and take him someplace else to vote and that Poe just got swept up in this like like they didn't realize it was like the most famous effing author in America right <laughs> yeah that that guy looks vaguely familiar to you but uh anyway so it's a it's a very dodgy type of theory but uh so I know it's I, I think maybe it might have been around this time but it was you know right here in uh, in Baltimore that uh Edgar Allan Poe met his maker and uh there's a lot of Stuff that goes is the cognac guy. Does he still do that? I think he stopped doing that last year, didn't he? I believe so. Yeah, yeah. But uh, heck, our football team's named after supposedly, you know, the the poem, the Raven. Yeah. So right. well, uh, the mascots are Edgar Allan and Poe. So that would be yeah. a pretty. Although clear I think there's only one of I think there's only one of them left now. Yeah, I think actually I think there that what? was a triv- Yeah, I think they 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 only have one of them now. That dresses up, and that was a trivia question the other day. But uh, really, but you know, why I, did wh- what? <laughs> why well, why they have they, three and then decide to like ditch Edgar and Allen? Are they not well, cutting the mustard? Yeah, well, I think they used that money to uh, you know pay for Ray Rice's new contract. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know, it, it, it's funny. I mean, the I think probably a lot of our audience is fairly well read, and you know, probably remember their Poe from high school or college. But, uh, you know, it's interesting. I don't know if you've listened to, uh, you know, Daryl, who, who you know, used to do the Fringe podcast and now does a Revolution podcast, has been doing a Lost Rewatch. Have you, have you heard his podcast at all? Um, I, you know, I heard because they posted like the first one he and his wife did yeah. on, the, on the Fringe podcast when they announced they're going to do it. Uh-huh. And I thought, oh, that'd be cool to go back. And I thought, but if they go back, then I'm going to I'm going to start like watching Lost We have again. to go back. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to start watching Lost again, and I'm not at a point in my life where I am ready to go to make that Lost commitment again just yet. Well, well, I bring that up. Uh, you know, number one, I think she's great. I really like the dynamic between the two of those. But, but Emily, who's my co-host on TV Talk Revolution, apparently is doing a segment, I guess sort of like, you know, like you do with Project X, but with the literature associated with lost and you know how you know when we watched the show there was always some sort of a novel on the bookshelf that was supposed to have some sort of a meaning that you know that we we're supposed to then figure that out but i don't know you know maybe somewhere down the road we we talk a little bit about horror literature or you know well we'll see yeah 
Well, yeah, that's what uh, you know. I did the uh, the Brave New World take five, and I'm, I've yeah. got like a uh, you know, I want to do a, like a trilogy. I want to do one for uh, Fahrenheit four fifty one and uh, nineteen eighty four as well, like a kind of dystopian future uh, trilogy there. But uh, you know, right now, I'm too uh, too lazy slash busy to do the other two. But I'll get around to it. Yeah, well, funny you mentioned that idea about dystopia because you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring that up later in the show. And, you know, speaking of tonight's show, you know, we kind of led you to believe we were going to talk about, you know, the role of women in film and television, you know, in the genre area. And we are going to do that. And, you know, in part, a reaction to some of the negative reactions to Star Trek Into Darkness. And, and we are going to do that. But, you know, we're, we're, we're just going to talk tonight. You know, we're just going to, uh, you know, because quite frankly, when Wayne and I do get to see each other at work and have a chance to sit down and talk, there are a lot of other people that, you know, they need to tone it down a little bit. Wayne and I are sitting like 18 inches apart and we can barely hear each other. Now, we're not going to throw out any names, but we'll just leave it at that. You know who you are. Yeah. And some of them have been on this show before. Yes, they have. Um, <laughs> all right. But anyway, um, you know, I think what we'd like to do, you know, I know we always talk about, you know, what, you know, what we're watching, but I, what we want to do tonight is maybe just go a little bit more in depth of what we're watching. And, and I'm sure that's a lot of you are watching the same thing. So spoiler alert. I mean, you guys know we're going to spoil. And I, I'm sure some of these things, you know, Wayne has seen and I haven't. And I've seen and he hasn't. And, you know, we'll just roll with it. So, uh, you know, throw something out there that you're watching. All right. Well, let me start with Supernatural then. Okay. And um, go, go ahead and spoil. You know, I'm. I'm yeah. Right. You don't watch it. Time. And uh, probably like what the main thing is that uh, Tom O'Pennicott is now on Supernatural. Uh, he plays an angel. And I think you probably told me this, right? I think maybe something. I don't know. When I saw him, I was surprised because I was like, oh, Top of the like, no way. Um, well, not totally surprised because whenever you're watching any genre show at all, Tom of is likely to pop up in there at some place in time. But it's really good. Uh, I, I, I'm so far that like, for the first episode of season nine, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty pumped about. The things are off, as always, just, you know, pretty terrible for, for Sam and Dean and everything. But, uh, but at least they're not. Like the worst part about last season was they were like fighting with each other and like really like snooty type of like don't cross this line on the car seat type fighting. You know uh -huh. um, that uh, that it's good when they're together and working together. It's it's uh, much better that way. So, so now how many ep how many episodes in are they on se on se just, season? Just just the first nine? one. Last last last. Uh, oh yeah, season nine, right? Season nine, and then last week was the premiere for season nine. So. And my favorite character on the show is Castiel, uh, the angel. And Castiel has uh, lost his uh, his grace, his 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 angelic mojo has been stolen from him by uh, Metatron, who's the booger from Revenge of the Nerds. Believe it or not, uh, right. was was the kind of he's the one who who killed Naomi at the end of season eight. So, um, and, and then and then he stole. Uh, he stole uh, Cassiel's mojo, but even Cassiel without his mojo is still a pretty awesome character, and I love it when he's on the show. So, well, you know, and it's funny. I mean, uh, we're not doing any news segment tonight, so you know, I haven't really been looking lately. But you know, Supernatural seems to be—it's like the show that won't die. They try to end it, and then they keep bringing it back. So I'm wondering, will there be a season ten? I mean, oh, have you yeah, heard there, anything? Yeah, uh, uh, there actually is. Oh, what did I read? 
because I was listening to Hexed and they had said that this was going to be the last season. It's like, what? And I looked and not only is this not going to be the last season, but I think they've got like two more like already, like there's like a new show around. He's like, got like two more seasons already in mind. Oh, wow. And they're going to start a spinoff in episode 20 of this season. They're going to introduce a character who is then going to have a spinoff uh, series from Supernatural. All right, well, so it's very... official. Supernatural is now officially one of the one of the upper echelon shows because it's got its own spinoff. Well, the other thing is, you know, the fact of its longevity. I mean, there there aren't very many shows that make it to double ditch, digit seasons. True, true. Yeah, so. and I think it's just it's uh, you know the I, you know the important thing is they got uh, the 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 dynamic between uh, Jared Padalecki and Jensen Ackles is really the core of the show right from the beginning and they've kept both those guys on the show i think that's the key like neither of them decide "Eh, you know what i'm gonna try movies or something like that you know they've both stuck with supernatural and because if either of those guys walk then that's the show right Right. um but they uh they they've they've stuck it out and stuck with it and i think that's really the uh you know one of the main reasons why it's lasted this i mean besides the fact that you know they've made like transitions between showrunners, and but the the quality of the show has pretty much remained. I wasn't as crazy about last season as the others. Um, I thought maybe the quality dropped off slightly there, but it seems like it's picked back up already uh, this season. Everything so. All right now, and they're not short seasons, are they? They're, they're no. They're, yeah, they're full like full, twenty episodes. Full or twenty so. twenty four, I think. Each oh season's wow, twenty four episodes. So yeah, mm, that's that's pretty awesome. awesome. All right. Well, I'm going to throw one out there that you're not watching yet, although you did tell me you saw Once Upon a Time in Wonderland. Yeah. And you weren't too impressed? or eh, I didn't. It was lukewarm on it. And, and supposedly it, doesn't, it shouldn't matter that you haven't seen Once Upon a Time because it's supposed to be you know, a self-contained story. Yeah, I, I wouldn't know because I would you know, have totally missed out any references at all to, the, you know, to Once Upon a Time. Okay, and, and that's what I want to throw out there. You know, um, season three has gotten underway, and you know, I, I'm I've really loved the show right from the start. And and I know if you haven't seen it, you know, the whole idea that characters who are living in this small town eventually find out that they're actually fairy tale characters who've been placed in this town because of a curse uh, put on them by the evil queen and. You know, they slowly regain and remember who it is they really are. So season three finds our heroes, they've they've left Storybrook, which was the name of the town, and they've gone to Neverland because, you know, they've got to rescue Henry, who's sort of the uh, hero of the story because he's the one, he's the true believer. And, you know, now we're in Neverland and, and they're on a quest. And, you know, I'm telling you, that w- that was just such a good idea back then when you decided that we should, you know, talk about questing movies. But yeah. Henry's been kidnapped. And what's so fascinating is that to recover Henry, the good guys and the bad guys have to unite. And, you know, and now everything's getting clouded. And, and I'm not really up on my Disney. So, you know, in the show, Hook is apparently a bad guy yeah well yeah he's he's peter pan's nemesis right? okay tell me okay. tell me you knew that dave well i didn't know that because i haven't seen any of the disney movies <laughs> yeah that's right true 
That's that's a shame. You never seen Peter Pan? I have not. Really? No, so yeah, dude, that's like that's like you're you're missing it. I mean, you're, we're always talking about like cultural literacy, right? I mean, that's yeah. like that's a that's a big one, man. Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm remiss, but dude, so you know, so Hook, you know, in, in the show, I mean, he's really awesome. I mean, he's he's really good looking. I mean, even even I can see that, and even I have to admit that. <laughs> and and you know, he's really the you know the you know, stereotypical swashbuckler, but now he's willing to help. And we've got the evil queen, Regina, who is Henry's stepmother. And they've got to team up with Mary Margaret, who's also Snow White, and David, Prince Charming, and Emma, who's played by Jennifer Morrison. You, you never watched uh, uh, House, did you? No. Okay. Um, you know, she was a main one of the doctors in house, and she's really awesome as as the main character. But I guess what I didn't know. Now you're going to say, "Well, duh!" But Peter Pan is evil in the show. Really? Yeah, and that's what's you know. And I I thought at least I knew that just tangentially that yeah, I thought Peter, Peter Pan, Pan was Pan supposed is, to be he's good. supposed to be the good guy. Yeah. Okay. Well, he's bad. He's evil, and he's got with him the Lost Boys. Now I don't know yeah. if that's something that he has in the yeah. Okay. Oh right. my God, Dave. All right. You, Sorry. Oh my God. Like, okay. I, I, I am just absolutely flabbergasted. Okay. I'm bringing the DVD of Peter Pan in on Monday. All you're, right. You're gonna watch. I'm gonna sit down, and make you watch. I'm gonna watch you. Okay. <laughs> now, the other cool thing they did was in the in the uh, season premiere is they worked in the whole sword and the stone legend with Excalibur, although uh, it did turn out to be a ruse. By... They're just really not focusing at all on anyone. <laughs> They're just throwing it all in. Right? Well, you know, I'll tell you, it was cool how they did it because it was like, you know, it, it was sort of like uh, it was it was definitely a ruse so that, you know, Snow White would pull it out and she'd be able to pull it out. And it's like, oh. I you said, it, you know, uh, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> all right, all right. So uh, you know, I'm loving Once Upon a Time. Uh, why don't we jump to a new show that had its premiere, and that's the Tomorrow People. And yeah. and I, I think it was you that said, you know, you you mentioned that every time we talk about it, the fact that this is like the third or fourth time they've tried to bring this yep. show back. Keep trying, right? <laughs> yeah, keep trying. Now you at maybe, least maybe fifth, fifth time will be the charm, right? <laughs> yeah. Now you at least made it through the entire pilot correct yeah i watched the whole thing i i just can't get through it and and you know i I, i've come to the conclusion that there's so much good genre television available that you know just even mediocre i don't want to be bothered with it and uh, you know part of the haven't we already seen this before i mean isn't this like heroes meets alphas well that was my big issue with it is i was like there's nothing new happening here there's and that's like even like watching like uh, the Once Upon a Time in Wonderland, I'm watching like there's nothing that's really making this stand. Yeah, yeah, they got John Lithgow as the White Rabbit, and that's kind of cool. Yeah, they got the guy who played Tom on Being Human. That's awesome because he's fantastic. But otherwise, like the story and uh, I don't know, it just really wasn't kind of grabbing me so much yeah but but uh but tomorrow people was just like it seemed like this is very hackneyed kind of cliche type i've just seems like i've seen this a million times yeah and i mean it, it would be one thing if i actually liked the characters or liked even the actors or or the character either one would be would be something the male characters i just don't like them at all 
And the female lead, uh, Peyton List, who's you know from our area apparently, I mean she's okay, uh, but uh, you know there's just nothing really that draws me in. And I knew you were going to give the, the girl a, a shout out. Yeah, I, I knew, um, well, I just I knew you were going to say that she was all right. The guys weren't so good, but the attractive girl was okay. Well, but she was even she was just acting and just the the lines and and just the writing was. No. You know, yeah, you yeah. used the word hackneyed already, and that's, uh, you know, I mean, young people with genetically inherited abilities. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And, and, oh, and the baddies are after them. Right. And his, the bad guys, his uncle, too. Oh, you probably weren't around. You no, I didn't make it that far. Yeah, it so, turns out uh, Mark Pellegrino is his uncle. Yeah, and as much as I like Mark Pellegrino, uh, he's not even close to being enough to make me come back to watch that show. Yeah, so. exactly. Like that, that's like the one thing is, is, uh, yeah. And honestly, I, I will probably watch episode two just because I feel bad because like such a hypocrite. Cause so much, so many times we have said, well, I have said, let me say <laughs> that, uh, that, you know, networks pull the plug on shows too quickly. They don't give them time. Sometimes shows really need to develop and everything. But, uh, you know, it's just like with the, the pilot, though. The pilot should be compelling. Yeah. Like, maybe episodes two, three, four, and five aren't quite so good. But the pilot really has got to grab you. And, yeah. uh, and tomorrow, people, the pilot did not grab me at all. Yeah, but, I mean, I, I got to thinking, you know, the one show that I gave up on after the pilot episode was Under the Dome. And Under the Dome is you know, infinitely better than the Tomorrow People in terms of the pilot from what I've seen, you know, so that if I was going to go back to something, I'd consider going back to Under the Dome. Yeah, no, Under the Dome's pilot was great. It's just everything that happened afterwards. Well, it it actually picked up at the end, but I was, uh, I don't know. Under the Dome was, I give it a solid okay. Yeah. It was a good, like, I've used the dating metaphor more than once in, in reference to like kind of watching TV shows, but you know, it's like a good summer fling, you know, like a girl you met at the beach. She's kind of cute and everything. She's all right. She's not like, I'm not really into her that much, but it's cool hanging out with her over the summer and everything, because we know we're going back to our own towns at the end of the summer. And then, you know, and summer loving's always a blast. And, Summer love has happened to f- so fast, but <laughs> oh, those summer nights, right? Um, <laughs> but uh, but but so this is typical. Like you know, it was okay over the summer when I wasn't like into any other girls and everything. But now I'm like back home, and there's like tons of hot chicks around. And that the girl I met over the summer, I don't even remember her very well. You know, one of whom we're going to talk about in a few minutes. But yeah. uh, so what what do you got next? Oh uh, well, are we gonna talk? Are we gonna, we're gonna kind of talk about. Oh, Agents we're definitely of gonna talk about Arrow okay. and Shield. Yeah, so we'll kind of uh, table how about, those. How about Sleepy Hollow? Yeah, so I'm, Sleepy Hollow. I'm, I'm liking. You know, uh, I think it's good that it's premiered before everyone else, because if it had premiered with all these other shows, I might not have the patience for it. But I think Sleepy Hollow is definitely a good slow burn. That mm-hmm. it's really has yet to hit its stride. Right. Um, they're doing kind of Monster of the Week right now, which is okay with me. Like like for Supernatural, I love the Monster of the Week one. Some of those are my favorite episodes. Are the one off episodes more over rather than the you know over, overarching myth type episodes. Um, so you know 
I think Sleepy Hollow did a good job of kind of introducing that kind of overarching myth, but not banging away at it, right? Especially right. like all these like witches and stuff like that. They, I think they're doing a pretty skillful job of just touching on it. You know, just like the the Kurtzman Orky Orsi, I'm sorry, the guys who did Fringe. I mean, that's exactly the same thing they did with Fringe, right? Right. But I mean, even that pilot. I mean, I liked the two lead characters immediately. You know, I mean, it's like you know, even the storyline aside, I just like them. I mean, they sure. just have they have on screen presence. And then they have chemistry with each other. That's that's just really you know it's just really great. Um, the, yeah, the, and it's not really necessarily a knock on like the Tomorrow People's actors. I think the Tomorrow People's writers are just not even nearly as skillful as the writers for Sleepy Hollow. Well, that's yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now that's what it boils down to, really. You know, right now, you know, uh, if you don't know the show, and I, I'm sure a lot of our listeners do, you know, it's it's. Loosely based on the Washington Irving story. Well, we, just, we just talked. Well, to, we had a whole yeah, podcast. Yeah, yeah, right. About, so, so I don't uh, think you have to go into all that detail again. Just say reference our previous podcast. Right, but I guess what's happening, and I think it's it's happened since uh, maybe we talked about it. They're they're getting pretty heavy into what I'll just call the dark arts, with uh, you know really into the uh, you know satanic elements. Um, and and certainly that's a big part of Washington Irving and, and a lot of that that early American literature. So, yeah, but uh, not not Satan, though, right? It's is what Moloch, right? Is that the new? Is that the baddie? Yeah, the big baddie? right. Right. So, uh, um, now, though though in Supernatural, they they actually went after Lucifer himself. Right now, a don't couple ask of me th- what season that was, but right now, a couple of things for the uh, showrunners: um, Crane needs a shower and a change of clothes. Right. Okay. Like, like it's so funny because we just talked about this. I, I know we'd mentioned. I, I notice it every time, but I'm like, still, he still is wearing the same clothes. Like right. someone take him to Coles or the Gap or something. Is there even Gaps anymore? I don't even know. Take him to a, a clothing store anywhere and just get him like a t-shirt and a pair of denims jeans. You know, right. just like so he can blend in a little bit and not look like Adam freaking Ant. Right. Now, um, maybe I'm being a little too hard on them, but, you know, in terms of tropes that are arising, you know, in the, in the most recent episode, you know, where they, uh, you know, they're, they're fighting the bad guys for whatever it was. It was in that chest, which happened to be a sextant slash projector that right. produced, produced the image of the map of Sleepy Hollow. And, yeah, okay, I guess, you know, the whole uh, map that can only be viewed with you know, whatever. Uh, yeah, it's okay. Yeah, I kind of like that stuff, though. You know, I'm big, like, you know, we, 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 you know my faith for the National Treasure movie, so. Uh. Oh, yeah. Well, true. And I guess maybe that's, you know, hey, it was great there. It just seems like they're just, you know, reusing it. Now, Abby's sister, who now seems to have the potential to be a pretty viable character in the show, I was really liking her also. So Yeah, you know, good the, mix there, bringing her in. She's, she's a good foil to... Uh, to Abigail, so yeah, and, and I mean, it, it, in a sense, very Sarah Connor-ish in that she's been imprisoned because they think she's crazy, and she's not, right? Yeah, you know? yeah, just yeah, totally like Sarah Connor, absolutely. But yeah, I like it. It's a show that I want to watch. It, you know, like tomorrow, people. I'm like, uh, I'm not even sure what day it's on, honestly. But like, I know like Monday night is Sleepy Hollow because that's kind of like I look forward to, to seeing it. So yeah, I guess now, that's the best uh, thumbs up I can give a show. I, I want to watch it. Here's one I stumbled over uh, on the weekend, and it's called The Last Witch. And it 
appeared, it, it, it debuted on October 10th, 2013, and it's on the Sky Living Network, which is a UK network. We've got uh, this girl named Alice, who apparently has killed her sister, who was a witch. But the twist is she a killed witch! her. She killed her in like the 1500s. The but, what? But, what but, the what? But, but before her sister died, she placed a cor- curse on her that she would roam the earth forever and murder every man she falls in love with. It's really creepy and, and in a good way. Uh, you know, I, I like the, the girl that plays Alice. Uh, there's a guy in it that's, uh, you know, she's kind of teamed up with that's, you know, yeah, for, you know, she's like, now I'm going to tell you something that you're probably not going to believe, but just, you know, hear me out. And then, she, you know, she tells her story, but since he's like this medieval history professor, uh, you know, He's a little more open than maybe the normal person. But here's the deal. You know, the episode ends. It's great. I'm thinking like, okay, you know, when's episode two going to be on? And it's not. That apparently what Sky Living, you know, and the Sky Network, there's, you know, obviously we all know about the BBC and like BBC Two and BBC Three and BBC America and, you know, whatever. But the Sky Network also has you know, multiple levels of networks and one of them sky living. So what they're doing is they're putting together, they have this series called drama matters and they've got five, I guess, one-offs of shows. And, and I don't know, and I can't find any information about it. I don't know if the plan is to see how they do in the ratings and then continue the series or what, but uh, yeah, it was great. And I want more. So they're just showing the pilot. Yeah, yeah, they're all pilots. So it's like I, five I totally, different pilots. I totally stopped paying attention there for a little bit. <laughs> really? Yeah, I mean, and then, so like, where's the series then? Yeah, I don't know. So I mean, I, I guess what? is this? I mean, what's? I guess what's the point? Yeah, unless exactly. unless you really are planning to do an entire series. But this this show was awesome. I mean, you know, it's right up our alley. Uh, you know, I certainly thought of the girls at Hexed. You know, they w- w- would love this show. Right. Um. So, you know, we'll see. I mean, we'll definitely keep, uh, you know, keep an eye on things, but it's called The Last Witch. Right. Well, speaking of witches, that should bring us to um, the new season of American Horror Story. Okay. Which Which I I haven't seen yet, but I'm... Yeah. And I haven't seen season two yet. Like, I haven't seen Asylum because apparently FX, like, didn't release the season two DVD until, like when season three started, which I don't know. I mean, obviously there, each season is self-contained, so it doesn't really matter, but it just seems like weird that they did that. So let's leave it at that weird. Yeah. So whatever. Um, But uh, so season three now is uh, American Horror Story. Um, Coven, obviously about witches. Uh, One of whom who can kill dudes with her vagina. Okay. She has sex and then the dudes die. Okay. And Jessica Lang's still in it, correct? She is. Okay. And uh uh Vera Farmiga, Tasha Tasia, Tasia Farmiga, who played the girl, the teenage girl in the first season, is in it. And Evan Peters, who was the boy, the crazy guy okay. in season one, is in it, though I don't know because he kind of maybe died then sorry, spoiler Dave, but uh That's okay. But I'm I'm thinking that why would they have him on just to 
die in episode one and that's it, right? So I don't know. So I, I'm in the unique position, I told you this the other day, of watching uh, American Horror Story and thinking, you know what? This is pretty good, but I don't think it's messed up enough. I think there's a certain level of depravity that I'm expecting from American Horror Story that Coven is not quite achieving. Well, that's that's. I'm not sure if that's uh, low praise or, <laughs> <laughs> or what that would be. I don't know. I don't know. Like there's sitting, there's like characters sitting around talking at dinner, and I'm like, shouldn't someone be ripping out intestines right now or something? Or I don't know. It seems like something really messed up should be happening, and you're yeah, just you like sitting around eating and talking. Like I carve the turkey, and blood starts pouring out. Yeah. yeah so, okay. but it was really good though. It's okay. a high quality writing, quality production, uh, interesting story, gripping right from the start. Uh, Kathy Bates is in it as well, so it's 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 really good. Yeah, that's definitely on my short list to uh, take a look at. Yeah, it should for but, sure. Um, all right, well, listen, we've got we've we've been holding two in reserve unless there's another one you want to throw out there. Uh, no, well, I just would like to you know shout out to uh, Hell on Wheels. Uh, they're Season three finale was this past Saturday, and you know it was a, a great season. I, I really, I, th- I think you would like Hell on Wheels. There's no zombies or witches or succubi in it, but it's just a really, really, really good show. All right, it's awesome. So, and uh, season three was great, um, and of course ended with uh, you know things looking maybe not so bad for. Uh, Cullen Bohannon as the previous seasons ended on really, really down notes for him. This one, maybe not so much, but uh, still things are pretty messed up. Uh, and as always, but it's a, just a fantastic show. All right. So, uh, so that, and, and then th- this uh, tomorrow will be the premiere for uh, the season four of the walking dead. Oh, okay. I am anticipating intensely okay you know you better make sure the dvr is working properly oh i believe me i set that shit up about a week ago man i'm like i'm not i am not well i'm not sure that means anything in your house yeah well i i i'm gonna i'm gonna be like a like a like a cage bear like just saying stay away from the dvr yeah all right (laughs) walking dead no one touch nothing everyone's going to bed at six o'clock tonight (laughs) all right well agents of shield um, you know, I've said a couple times, I, I, I didn't expect to like it as much as I like it. And I, I mean, I really love it. And, you know, I, I think. Which leads me to think, what were you expecting? Because it's freaking Avengers and Joss Whedon. And so I'm not quite sure why you weren't expecting that you would like it a lot. Well, because I think, you know, I mean, if we look at Joss Whedon's track record, I mean, it's not really in the comic. Uh, field, in other words, Dollhouse wasn't based on a comic. Firefly wasn't based on a comic. Right. Uh, well, I, th- I think the reason for that is because he spent so much time in the area of freaking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, you know, so I, probably that's why he's he was in another part of the state entirely. Right. Well, but I mean, I I really love shows that have the. You know the long storyline with the you know the twists and turns, and I wasn't sure that's what we were going to get with uh, Agents of Shield, and I'm still not sure that's what we're going to get. But but dude, the whole like the, exactly. whenever they mentioned Tahiti, he says it's a magical place. Like I mean, that's kind of getting annoying. But I'm like, 
Why does he keep saying that? Like it's like uh, it's like a Pavlovian response. So there's there's something obviously uh, off about him. Yeah, and, and his death and now resurrection. Right, but you know it, it's every character in it I like. Um, you know I, I'd like to start you know, meeting some bad guys that we see on a recurring basis. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, I, I agree. I'm sure it'll. I'm sure it's going to happen, but right now I think they're just kind of like doing like a baddie of the week type thing, and uh, and you know really working on developing the the characters and having them you know really become a, a tight unit a la Firefly, right? Yeah, right, right. So, Where uh, we really care. I mean, like the thing about Firefly. Yeah, the stories are great, but what we really love about Firefly is the characters. We we you know that we really are into the characters on Firefly. Um, and they, you could put them in basically any situation and we're going to, we're going to love it. So I think, right. That, yeah. Right. Now Ming Na, right. That's the actress that, that plays the pilot. Uh, sure. Yeah. yeah I okay. Think so, yeah. Um, you know, and I really like, you know, her character in that, you know, apparently she was a field operative and something happened that, that, you know, led her to want to just have a straight desk job. And now she's been, you know, ripped into a situation that she really thought she was finished with. And now she wants back in, and it's it's almost like you know that that the excitement was something that she didn't realize how much she would miss, and now we're back in. So, well, I'm not so sure about that actually. I, mean, I think you're, she you're could not... do without the excitement. I think she's in there for Phil okay. because of whatever his deal is. She know she clearly knows what transpired between his dying and now his being alive, and that there's something hanky going on there, and she knows it. Um, so I, and she says it, right. She's like, no, I'm not coming back for the, she said, I'm coming, I'm, I'm here for you. Okay. Right. So, but yeah, right. she's a fantastic character though. I mean, she's really, yeah. uh, interesting and, and, uh, and she just crushes people, man. She's just so badass, man. It's awesome. Yeah. And you know, I mean, look, obviously Sky is cute as hell. Um, but I like her character. I mean, I like the, you know, okay. You talk about tropes. Okay. So the. You know, the whole, the attractive girl that dresses down and then it's like, we're going to need her to go undercover. And then, you know, then of course, you know, she's got the hair, the makeup, the dress, and then she infiltrates the, you know, the high end party. And we've seen that before, but, you know, again, that's okay. I mean, and that's one of the things that I expected to see in the show. And I thought I would have a problem with it and I don't, but I like her character because, you know, as she's developing, I mean, it, it's, you know, we're, we're learning little nuggets about their past. And, you know, now she's got to be part of a team and she's never been part of a team before. She's been, you know, by herself in her van. And yes, she works for some, you know, organization that's out to get the, you know, the rich and the powerful. But, but you get the idea that she's never really had to have a lot of one-on-one -on -one contact with people. Her contact is over the internet right yeah yeah. but uh yeah because she's not terribly good at it right she's no. like awkward but uh yeah she's she's awesome uh definitely my favorite character in agents of shield uh sky is no question about it um i love how we are still unsure of her loyalties and stuff right because two weeks ago at the end of the episode she's you know that mysterious call where she says i'm in you know like Right. What's that supposed to mean? And then right. uh, last week where 
she infiltrates the baddie's place and then appears to sympathize with the baddie, maybe help him out, and then ends up being helping out the good guys and everything. So, um, yeah, it's just a really very complex character already. Awesome character. And the actress, I, I, I don't know any of the actors or actresses' names, but yeah, she's I don't fantastic. Either. Yeah. Except for but, uh, Clark Gregg, right? Right. All right. Perhaps my favorite show currently is Arrow. And I, I don't know. I, I almost don't see how anybody can't like it, even though I know they, some people don't. But I, I have to agree. It's it's an awesome show. And season uh, season gosh, this is season two. Season, season two. one, uh, you know, season one ends with you know uh, the the Holocaust, right? I mean, the whole the glades, yeah, the glades. Are, yeah. are, are basically wiped out. Tommy's Tommy thousands, dies. right? That's thousands sucked. of people killed. Tommy dies, and and we and we know basically who's responsible for it. We know uh, Oliver's mother and Captain Jack Harkness. God, forget yeah. his name in the show. Uh, Merlin. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. Something Merlin. Right. Uh, <laughs> I think so. Um, right. And, Marlin, and then we we fast. For- <laughs> yeah. Whatever. <laughs> we fast forward to season two, and I guess we're months. Merlin, not Marlin, Merlin. Yeah, that's what I said. Oh, I thought you said Marlin. Like the, like the magician. Yeah. Anyway. So anyway. Oliver has apparently left, and, and I guess he's returned to the same island that he had been held on. Yes. And Diggle and... Which people, like, couldn't find him at all for, like, five years, and uh, Diggle and Felicity find him, like, right away. Well, but he's got Felicity. Right. right. And even I think even she says it took her a while to find him. And she at least had some idea of where to look because of the, you know, the things that that Oliver had told her over, you know, the months they'd been working together. But, yeah, you know, he- I mean, you know, it's 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 definitely they 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 stretched that plot point almost beyond belief. Because well, especially she- like, okay. So, I guess you like Diggle and Felicity parachute in. Um, did they parachute out? Like, how'd they get off the island again? Well, they had a boat. Why did they take a boat in then? <laughs> you know? Like, if you have a boat to take you off the island, why don't you take a freaking boat into the island as well instead of parachuting from a rickety plane, you know? Just like, ah. Uh, come on, you're being too nitpicky. I right? know I'm being too nitpicky. <laughs> but it was just like, you know, for the most part, I ignore things like that. But I'm like, like the next scene, because it's like the, the next, you know, like cut the commercial and and they're back in Starling City. Like the next scene, I'm like like what? <laughs> like what? They're ba- they're just back like that? Are you kidding me? Like you know, there wasn't any. Well, we assume Ol- transitioning. Well, I mean, from Oliver the island to Starling City. Yeah, you know, like well, just. Well, I mean, Oliver must have had a boat. That's how he got there. So they just took his boat back. Yeah. Okay. Say, say what you will. Say what you will, but again, well, then once again, I go back to why didn't they just take a boat in though? You know, because like obviously taking the plane in was pretty sketchy, right? That was quicker. All right, right, all right. Anyway, whatever. But, but mom is in prison. Okay, Tommy's yeah. dead. Tommy's dead. That's and and the Except new nemesis for Oliver Queen is the Summer Glau, the the previous first lady of sci-fi. Yes, uh, <laughs> and. As we knew she would be, she was awesome. Yes. Yeah, so, totally. Yeah. yeah. And she does, like, just that dead pain. I, I just imagine, like, Summer Glau, like, 
turning you down for a date in high school must have been somewhat like these characters she does, like where you're just like, like just that straight deadpan face, like, no, I don't want to go to prom with you. And you're just like, oh, man, like you just feel 10 times worse because that intense glare that she throws in with it. These are the type of things I think of. Well, I keep waiting for her to call him John, but uh, <laughs> you know the thing that I did like in in the storyline was you know the whole idea that she was trying to take over Queen Consolidated and control it, and then I guess break it up into little pieces. And the fact that nobody has control, they've got to work together now. So you know this should be interesting. Hopefully, we're going to see her on a regular, regular basis. I, I think so. Yeah, obviously, her they've definitely set up her character to be a. Uh regular character and again here's where i wish i had more greater knowledge of the actual comic book because i think her character is probably like a recurring character in the comic book but i don't the only knowledge i have of green arrow is from the uh super friends cartoon right well it's also a great twist how he gets the money to buy you know the remaining shares his uh, father-in-law i don't know his father-in-law his stepfather right walter is Right, is Walter is now working as a bank CEO, and he lends him the money, and 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 you know, just re you know reestablishing that relationship. So hopefully, we'll see Walter because you got to love Walter. Yeah, I, I uh, love Doctor Moon. Yeah, and uh, uh, and then you know, you mentioned wishing you had some more background in the comic field. Then we're introduced to a new character. Just yeah, I mean, we're not really introduced to her. Oh know, yeah, at, at, at the end. But, yeah, I was like racking my brains. I'm like, I, she's got to be in the DC universe somewhere. I must have come across this character somewhere. But yeah, how about that? Yeah. That, so, that was uh, awesome, man. Like the end, I was just like, woo. Yeah. This so, I mean, you know, great, uh, great job with the writing, you know, and, and that, uh, okay, fine. I like Tommy, but Tommy's gone. And, you know, I, again, we don't know how long uh, Mrs. Queen's going to be in prison. Probably not. Although you never know, maybe they're getting getting rid of her too. Who knows? Who knows? But definitely, definitely an awesome season premiere. So fantastic! Yeah, the CW strong, strong work there, fellas and ladies and gentlemen. All right, now, now before we get to our, I mean, I want to throw a couple things out there. (laughs) Now now that we're forty-five minutes in, now that we're on to our main topic. (laughs) No, we're not, not quite yet, not quite yet. Um, But you know, this whole. I don't know if fascination is the correct word, but with dystopic and post-apocalyptic films in TV dramas, I mean, we've seen it in film. And I mean, you know, you got novels like 1984. You mentioned Brave New World in your uh, Take 5 episode. But, you know, you start looking at them. And just recently, obviously, in you've got Falling Skies, Revolution, Continuum, yep. yes, Defiance. Which season two now is out on Netflix, actually. That, okay. that happened fast, man. Uh-huh. I mean, Dollhouse really was was uh, oh, dystopic. Yeah. It, it got there. Yep. Yeah, season two. Season yep. two. Not season one, season two. Yeah, uh, Jericho, which, you know, I liked it, but I wasn't, you know, crushed when it got canceled. And, but, and- but if mine, his, his wife actually participated in the uh, campaign to, to get season two of Jericho? Because I guess it got canceled after season one. Yeah, what did they but, send? But I forget what it was. In, I, I can't, yeah, it was one of those send-in stuff. You know? Yeah. Um, I remember Journeyman, people send in rice boxes to, okay. you know, I probably was NBC, I, I yeah. can't say, but you know, to no avail. But it worked for Jericho. Oh, Peanuts, right? Oh, right, okay. 
And his penis, yeah. I so. mean, even, and even Fringe really was was uh, dystopic, and you know, so oh, yeah. as they got yeah, into yeah. the future, season, season five for for sure. Yeah, I mean, Hunger Games, Looper, yes. yeah, yep, uh, Dread, Total uh, Recall, didn't see it. Terminator, yes. Matrix. I mean, yes, you know, yes. there's just there's uh, just tons of films, and and I guess the thing I like about genre films, genre television is that it does cause you to think. And a lot of these, you know, that, you know, the whole idea is this could be our future if, and right. You know, that's why I really like them. Now, the other thing is we've got a comic revival, you know, we've already talked about arrow agents of shields, but you know, heck back, you know, this is not the first time we've, we've had a lot of comic related TV shows. I mean, Batman and Superman from the sixties and seventies, yeah. well, mostly the sixties. And I love the uh, the Spider Man show from the uh, I guess it's probably early eighties, late seventies, early eighties. Do you remember the Spider Man television show? I don't, but that was probably like the the dead period for me. And it was it, it was really funny because well, yeah, it was like it was a cool show, but like the guy who played Peter Parker was like this kind of like shortish, stockyish guy, and then the dude who played Spider Man was like a really tall, skinny guy. So like it, under no circumstances at all did I ever believe that. The guy who played Peter Parker actually was like the guy in the Spider-Man outfit because it's just really like totally nothing alike at all. But Peter Parker had like a mane of hair as well. Like, there's no way that he's getting that inside that mask. Uh huh. But it's a good show nonetheless. Now, the one show that I never watched, my brother was a huge fan, was Smallville, and I guess I didn't realize how it, it, that had a lot of seasons. No, yeah, Smallville, and I, I think they're all on Netflix too. But I know Smallville had like a big following and. Um, yeah, that, that was my, like, you know, like when, when Sean was just born, I think was when Smallville came out and, uh, I was like, I'd, I'd love to watch this. I, I love Superman. I love the Superman comics and everything. I love the Superman movies, but the, this just ain't, it ain't happening. <laughs> I'm did changing you, too many diapers. Now, did you watch Mutant X? Nope. Okay. I, I mean, I don't really know much about it other than what I've read, but it, it looks like it was also based. So... Now, lastly, these, I don't know what else to call them, but reality genre shows. And, and, and again, you know, when we, when we listen to Hexed, you know, they're big on these shows like Ghost Hunters, all these UFO abduction shows. What's that show they talk about all the time? Ghost Mine? Yeah, Ghost Mine. Yeah. It's actually, I mean, I, I pretty much hate reality TV of any kind whatsoever, except for like, I am like vaguely fascinated by The Biggest Loser. I kind of uh, like that show, but um, otherwise, reality shows I pretty much despise. Especially, and you know, I've, we've talked about my attitude about you know supernatural, quote unquote, reality shows, right? Um, but Ghost Mine, uh, I guess just because the, the the Hex Girls are so enthusiastic about, it, so they, uh, you know, I might actually check it out. Well, I even thought about sending them an email or a, a voicemail and, and just, you know, asking them maybe one one of their episodes, they could kind of talk about, you know, what it is they, they like about it, you know, try to sell me on it. I Because I... They as, don't as, do that already? As God. if I need another show to watch. Yeah, so, right. Exactly. So, um, all right. Well, anyway, um, I got nothing else. So why don't we... Finally, let's get, let's, let's get on topic here. Then, all, right, all right. So you're going to uh, lead us in with a little bit of Project X material, correct? Uh, I am. I am. So actually, I made another post on Facebook, my uh, my um, bi-yearly post, <laughs> uh, just because 
you know, we're talking about obviously this all stems from the the controversial scene in Star Trek where um, Captain Kirk and oh Doctor Marcus, yes, Doctor Marcus, who in the original movies, right, was the they had a son together, right? Right, and yes. he dies. He dies in Wrath of Khan. Um, and that was just a huge spoiler for anyone who hasn't seen Star Trek Two. Because well, if, if you haven't, haven't seen Star Trek Two, like what the hell are you listening to this show for then, right? Yeah. But uh, if you haven't seen Wrath of Khan, that just shame on you because that that is obviously the best of the Star Trek movies, you know, hands down. Um, but uh, so anyway, so that is, I mean, but that's like another universe entirely, right? And we, and we know that because that was like the whole point of the first Star Trek movie is that they they run into. Uh, uh, Spock from the other universe who, you know, is cognizant of the original Star Trek. He, you know, he's like Spock from the original Star Trek, uh, but this is a different Spock, different Kirk, everything different. Uh, Dr. Marcus. What's her name again? Catherine. No, I can't remember her first name. So, um, so anyway, they're, they're in this scene and she's about to go down to defuse this bomb. So she needs to get into her bomb gear, which I know you're going to discuss the, clothing of the characters of of star trek anyway but so she's got changed from her mini skirt starfleet uniform into a uh you know a bomb diffusing gear type thing and for some reason she has to do this with captain kirk in the room and she tells him to turn around which he does and she starts getting dressed as they're talking and he obviously like lot's wife like uh uh, Orpheus is unable to resist the urge, turns around, and there she is in her underwear. Some people say that that is gratuitous. Now, we, we will take that on, that issue, in a second here. But that's just, that's the, that is what really pretty much inspired, like the controversy over that that scene is is what inspired us to, uh, well, ins- inspiration might be a bit thick. But this is why we decided to talk about gender issues, right? Yeah. So for Project X, I'm going to talk about what is out there now. In fact, is there this gender wage gap? Because there are gender gap deniers out there, people who say that there's no such thing. And there is. <laughs> Basically, I'm here to tell you that there is, people. Uh, and I think most people know that, that, that in general, women uh, in similar positions, there are less women in management positions than men. Uh, women in management positions or in, in just in general, women make less than men in comparable positions. So let's look at some numbers here. Um, I found an article from the Huffington Post uh, from uh, May 9th of 2013. Uh, the typical full-time working woman stands to miss out on $443,360 over 40 years because of the gender wage gap. Right? That is, that's a buttload of money. Okay. Um, so that's so so that's like kind of like over a and uh and it's even worse for like women who are mothers right and, and actually my my own wife has run into this issue at her work where she's gotten they give her a hard time because she's got to go get kids from school or and, you know and I have to you know, it's funny because I have to do the same thing often um but I don't catch any grief I've never ever caught grief at work for having to leave to go get a sick kid or anything like that. But she's gotten tons of shit for it, you know? Um, and so it's, I've, I've experienced, you know, it's like, it's there. It's, it's, you know, they're out there. So now what 
does this there, there are certain then results of this and one of them is i found another article that's very interesting about how affluent women lack investing confidence that this gender gap maybe is somehow also like that women has that in some way is also kind of translated also into that women having a, a kind of a lack of confidence in investing as well um so there's this uh, a study found and i found this one in uh in the Los Angeles Times. Now, you mean like financial investing? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So this study founded by the Wells Fargo Company released Thursday found that 41% of affluent women are not at all confident about their ability to invest, and just 8% of the women said they're highly confident, which which to me is like, like crazy, you know, and everything. So, but that's just saying that this gender gap has, you know, influences beyond just salary, right? That it has, um, is maybe a... Um, you know, sociologically, psychologically damaging as well. And so there are, you know, part of this then, I found another article and this one was from uh, the Washington Post, September 30th of this year. And um, so it's just kind of looking at the gender gap issues and kind of saying how like there are some parts of it kind of like just innate, right? Um, Like, that people tend to form groups of like people like them, right? So if I'm a dude, I'm gonna hang out with other dudes. You know, if I'm a, if I'm a woman, I'm gonna hang out with other women, and uh, th- that's kind of natural. And so then, if I'm like, you know, a male, and I'm gonna recommend someone for something, my first thought might naturally be a male, just because that's like the people I hang out with and everything. So, and so there's like societies engage in much, and this is quote, uh, much gratuitous gendering, giving male and female noun forms to neutral items such as table and armchair, devising the world in the yin and yang. Gender is one of the first pieces of information given and asked about a newborn, right? Which obviously is a boy or girl. That's what I want, right? Uh, mothers treat their boy and girl babies, babies differently from the first days of birth. Boys and girls separate in somewhat different social groups in the preschool years and remain in different groups thereafter, although are later brought together again by school activities, courtship. Raising a family, and then some, some societies by relatively gender-neutral work. And most societies, work itself is gendered, although not with the strong taboos of some. So it's kind of like we tend to naturally uh, group ourselves. So there's another quote. How to handle these structural preconscious biases. First, acknowledge their existence, which is kind of what we're doing here. Second, set in place mechanisms to diminish them, not having women in underwear. Recognizing that it's hard, if not impossible, to eliminate them. So that's also part of it is that, you know, it's like these things kind of happen. It's difficult, like social change. Well, we'll get into this later. But anyway, um, and then so actually you're thinking, well, things are getting better, right? Things are looking up. Well, actually, not so much because I found uh, from Forbes magazine from February this year that the gender gap pay gap actually got worse, not better in 2012. It actually found a thing from Australia. The same thing happened in Australia. You can see like this, this, you know, like this chart that's showing the, the trend of the gender gap in, in finance and in, in salaries. And it's going down, 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 down. And then like from 2011, 2012, it's like, boom, like just rocketed right up. So I'm not sure exactly uh, why that happened. So in this article, it said, in management professions, men earn $1,328 each week, while women earn $951, a 71.6% gap. In financial professions, it's 74% in legal occupations, an abysmal 53.7%. Abysmal, their word, not mine. Uh, though that is pretty bad. Uh, these men and women surely achieve the same level of education, chose the same career path, and dedicate similar full-time hours to their fields, but yet... 
there it is. Uh, that's that's kind of like some stats, some background information of this whole gender gap issue that certainly and unquestionably exists. Now the question is, does a blonde woman in her underwear contribute to this? Well, and and also even just, I mean, there are probably a lot of different reasons why that happens. You know that that those articles probably didn't get into, and and we're not necessarily going to get into, but. Um, you know, it's, a, it's, I mean, but regardless, it's there. All right. Now back to the underwear. So Dave, I thought this week, because of the topic that we're going with and everything, I was, I was thinking about it. The more I thought about it, I'm like, okay, so who is like JJ Abrams really kind of targeting with Star Trek? Right. And, and I certainly thought, I mean, I, you know, clearly males. Right. And I'm not even sure it's you and me. Yeah, exactly. Because I think it's not. I don't think because we like Star Trek to us is William Shatner, right? Yes. And you know, Patrick Stewart to to also, but more William Shatner. Like he really kind of defined the whole thing for us. So this is really for the next generation. So I thought, you know, really what he's aiming at. He's, I, hey, that'd be a good name for a Star Trek. That would be a next generation. Oh. I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna patent that. Write that down. There's too many next generation movies and stuff though. Yeah, but they're good. They're not as good as the. I'm trying to get Sean to now watch. Well, okay. So as as everyone's just heard, that that is my son Sean. Who are we going with this week? Our segment's called "Ask the Adolescent," um, and uh, he'll be here answering us with voice cracks. And uh, so, Sean, uh, I have a quick question for you because we're talking about Star Trek, and then we were talking about this before at dinner. And I want to ask you, how'd you like the movie Star Trek in the Darkness? It was awesome, and before I watched that movie, I also got to watch the first one, so it was great. Love the movie. Okay, good. Now, who's your favorite character in the movie? Movies, either one. <sighs> Gotta say Spock. Spock is really cool. Okay, yeah, he is very cool. Zachary Quinto as, uh, as Spock was really good. Not as good as Leonard Nimoy. You but- know, I was just sitting here thinking, I, I might like Zach Quinto better. Oh, yeah? Yeah, but but I mean, I, it's not so much the actor. I think it's just the character has evolved a little bit, you know. Yeah, he's way more of an action type character now, especially with the fight scene in, in the last movie. Whereas before, like whenever he got in the fight scene, he just pinched someone in the neck, and that was it. And we even see a little bit of his human side. I think more so than we saw in the original series. But yeah, so I don't know. It's just you know, like I said, I'm just kind of tired. But he he does, and and Christopher Pine as Captain Kirk is awesome. You know, though, again, still, like, William, William Shatner still will always be my, my first captain. So I'm trying to get this goofball to, like, go back and watch the original shows, trying to tell him how awesome they were. But, uh, all right, so, Sean, tonight we're really talking about, I'm sure you noticed that at one point in time in this movie, there's a woman standing there with just her underwear. You remember that scene? Yeah, of course I remember it. Okay, good Catholic boy. He immediately went and confessed for uh, ten, did 10 Hail Marys on the spot uh, to, uh, to try and drive it from his mind. But uh, so, what do you think about it? Like, yes, what do you think about that scene? I kind of thought. I mean, from the second she says "turn around," you knew it was gonna happen. But as far as the movie went, there really wasn't a point to it. Like, it didn't. Okay, I, I don't want you to tell me what what I said before. I don't want what you think. I want to. Because I thought it was. I thought about it, and then I thought, you know, there's. Why would they add that? I mean, there's really no point to it. You started getting into that. You started getting the girls in their underwear and everything, you like that type of stuff. Stop it! <laughs> <laughs> All 
All right. So uh, anything else you want to say about Star Trek in the Darkness before I make you go and watch your siblings? Uh, I, just, I, I didn't like how so many people died. Sad. And the, the old captain. Forget his name. That was sad when he died. When the oh uh, Christopher Pike. Yeah. Oh yeah yeah yeah, that when was he sad. Died, that was sad. Yeah, he died in the original series too. It was sad then as well. Does he like regenerate or something? No. Uh, okay. No, that's that's uh, <laughs> what's that guy's name? That's oh 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 yeah. uh, Captain Jack. Yeah. 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 So um, Jack Harkness would yeah. be the person that uh, regenerates, yeah. but he hasn't even seen Torchwood yet though. So okay. Okay, well, all right, so that was uh, Ask an Adolescent. We're going to keep him from talking anymore because he's going to probably say something bonehead, though. All right? Um, <laughs> you know, as I said to you, I've kind of come full circle on this in that I thought initially, what's the big deal? Um, to, well, I certainly wasn't outraged about it, but I thought, yeah, you know what? That was just gratuitous. It didn't need to be in there. To back to what's the big deal, and um, I guess what I, I come back to is all right. What are the reasons for making a film? Okay. Well, number one, and I don't to create an artistic representation of life. Okay, and that, and that's fine. No, I, absolutely, I, to I make agree money. With that. I think is the main one. Okay, and obviously, if you are the filmmaker. And you, and more importantly, the producer. Well, okay, but I mean, if you're the one that has the vision, right? You, you've right. got you've okay. got the the yes. artistic idea, and you want to get this film made because you've got this idea that you want to throw out there. Well, the bottom line is, you're either going to have to pay for it yourself, or find somebody else to pay for it. Right. And if you're finding somebody else to pay for it, they're going to go to the next reason for making a film, which is to make a profit. Yes. And. And that's probably the actual number one reason. I mean, when you when you, you and they look could at all the, like uh, not care at all about your artistic vision exactly. so much. Right. And, they and, probably and, care a little bit. But. Well, I mean, I guess at the end of the day that it's a company, you know, so whether it's yeah. Fox Films, whether it's, you know, MGM or, you know, I don't know, whatever, uh, Bad Robot, whoever, they're in the game to make money. Yes. And they're in the game to sell tickets to their artistic work, although some people probably would say it's not very artistic. Um, you know, and, and then also another reason might be just for informational purposes, but that's you know, probably very far down on the list. So getting back to the whole idea of making a profit and getting back to, you know, your your thirteen year old son, uh, you know, and his comment, um, you know who's okay. well. Who's, you, yeah. Now who's the target audience for Star Trek Into Darkness? You know, yeah. really. Well, as we saw with Sean, you know, he is the target. Right. So yeah. it's probably you know thirteen-year-old boys up to you know probably maybe twenty-five. You're maybe? right, twenty-five, thirty-year-old. I mean, you and I are not necessarily the target audience, even though we like the film. Yeah. Well, they they know we're going to go see it. Right. Well, not you. But they know I'll go see it. I didn't really go see it. I bought the DVD though. Yeah. But anyway, they, they, the guys who like like us who are into Star Trek, they know we'll go see the movie because we're into Star Trek and we want it just like Star Wars. Like they can throw any piece of crap Star Wars movie up there. I'm going to go see it. 
You know, they got me. They don't have to sell me. It's the new guys they got to sell. They got to get the next generation of kids in. And Star Trek probably a little bit harder sell than Star Wars, maybe just because you know there's been more big like Star Wars stuff recently. Right, but but I, but I think so they both have the same problem in that the generation of kids now, you know, your your son, thirteen year old, thirteen years old. I mean, even Star Wars is decades removed. You know, you know. From yeah, his but he's been kind of watching well, Star Wars since. Well, okay, but that's because of you. I mean, I <laughs> yeah. understand that, right? You know, so we come back to the underwear scene. Does it, if it's not there, does that really impact you know, my liking the film? And if no, it doesn't. No, no. And, you know, like talking about as demonstrating this attraction between her and Captain Kirk. I mean, that's already there. We already, we already get that. Well, you don't do, need do her we? to take her clothes off. I, I think we did. Okay. We certainly don't. I, I think there's a flirtatious nature of their relationship almost right from the start that we get that, okay, here's a guy who, you know, basically he'll, he's just into women anyway like anyone any woman uh he's going to be interested in but there's certainly i think a flirtatious kind of aspect to their relationship right away and i don't think just because he saw her in her underwear i don't think that really adds anything to that well know? but does she do it on purpose i mean she clearly i think knows who captain who james kirk is and she probably knows of james kirk's reputation with women right well she says that because right. like she had like a roommate or something. I can't right. There was so, some... so, so does she do it on purpose? Does she do it to see, you know, basically just to play with them? You know, so then does it become a control aspect? Well, I, I think a control aspect because she's like, I told you to turn around. And then she says, turn around, like very sternly, you know. But so she knows think... he's not going to turn around. I mean, even though he does turn around, I mean, she easily could have taken a different tact, but she chose not to. Yeah, like she could have said, go outside while I change, right? Instead of right. just turn around. So, yeah, so, turn around. But I mean, just all, it's just all narrative to lead up to he's going to turn around so they can show her in her underwear, basically. Okay, I think but, it just it boils down to that, essentially. Uh, see, I, I don't know. I mean, and, and I guess I, I just, maybe I'm being naive. I find it hard to believe that J.J. Abrams and, and uh, oh gosh, the guy that wrote for Lost, now I'm, now I'm blanking on. Uh, on his names, uh, Carlton, Damon, uh, Damon Lindelof, Damon Lindelof, who had a big hand in the script. I just find it hard to believe that they sat down. And it's like, okay, well, we need to throw in some gratuitous sex, so let's write this in here, as opposed to, you know, that there was actually a reason, you know, that that maybe, you know, what I posited. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm being naive. It just it just doesn't seem to me that that scene, as small as it was. Really, they thought it would have that big an impact in, yeah. in generating ticket sales. I, I mean, oh, it's like, oh, it's like yeah, dude, no. dude, you got to go see uh, yeah, Star right. Trek because a girl gets down to her underwear. Like, for 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 about half a second, you get to see a woman in her underwear. <laughs> like, no, clearly not. That is not going to sell the movie at all. So that you're right. It boils down to why they do it. Because when I watched it the first time, I saw it. I was like, what? Like, that was totally unnecessary. You know, like that just like. And I, I never would say that that's something like nudity or anything like that. Like for the most part, for me, I'm like, okay, I, I get it. That's part of like, like you watch like a, like Porky's or something like that. Like these movies from like when I was too young to see these movies back in the 80s. But all these movies in the 80s, that had gratuitous nudity in them all the time. Right. But that was like part, that was it. That was why 
people went to see it. You went to see Porky's because you knew there was going to be nudity. It's going to be dirty. They're going to talk about sex a lot. That was why you went to see it, right? Yeah. But obviously not for Star Trek. Right. As you said, like, it's not like they're marketing it on this. So why is it there? Why did they do that? Like, it just, it just seemed to me there really wasn't even narrative justification for it or nothing that they could had, had already established or could establish through less like shocking. Okay. See, ways. and then I would, I would take the, uh, you know, the approach that because there's really no reason, and I find it hard to believe that they would do it just for that, that there actually is a reason. But now, you know, the bigger problem I have, though, with Star Trek, you know, are the uniforms worn by the female officers and, and enlisted personnel that, you know, I get the fact that, you know, they're basing it, you know, the Enterprise still looks the same essentially as it did in the 60s. The male uniforms still basically look the same as they did they in the 60s. They got that little weave in them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they've, you know, they've got the Under Armour now, but, uh, but, you know the short short skirts yeah it's just not it's just not reality i mean we i get why they did it in the 60s i mean it, you right. know that that the mini skirt i mean it it was something just groundbreaking in the right. fashion world so of course I, I i get why they did it in the in the tv show in the 60s but now where audiences are far far more sophisticated and and far more critical i mean why would you do that i mean any female personnel is going to be wearing long pants yeah exactly and uh as they are on um like next generation right, right? exactly um because yeah it doesn't really make sense to have a standard uniform uh the miniskirt right just, and, and uh, i think the fact that you're you know you're showing it's a prequel okay fine we get that but no uh, uh you you can make that change and we're going to go right with you bechdel test which I don't think either of us had ever heard of before. I, I, right. you, when you told me about it. Was, right. It was something that, that I came across as I was reading about, you know, the Star Trek Into Darkness controversy. And apparently it was introduced in Alison Bechdel's comic strip, Dykes to Watch Out For, and that apparently in one of her strips in the mid-'80s, uh, one of the characters says that she only watches movie, uh, a movie if it satisfies certain requirements. And so this has become known as the Bechdel test. So that, number one, it has to have at least two women in it. Number two, two women have to talk to each other. And three, they have to talk about something besides a man. And that I guess it's it's come to be this, this benchmark test, I guess, for a lot of, uh, I guess, feminists more than more so than, I mean, certainly that's not a test that, you know, I think most guys are going to worry about. But, right. but it's, it's been a way, I guess, to analyze how a certain movie portrays women. And, you know, on the one hand, I, I you know, I kind of get it, but, uh, you know, I, I do have a, a big problem with it in that it just completely ignores the actions of the female characters in the movie. I mean, okay, let's, and, and obviously this comes up in Star Trek Into Darkness, and there really are only two females, you know, really, Uhura and, and I, can't, I think her name's Carol Marcus. Carol Marcus, yes, right, right. That uh, you know, I know the other uh, the other girl that that uh, w she's been in other things and yeah, Zoe Saldana. She was well, uh, no, no, no. she's know. she plays Uhura, right? Oh yeah, that's what I thought you were talking about. But uh, no, nah, she's bald in the show. In, oh in, in yeah, the movie, and she's right. got like one or two lines, just like uh, 
you know, Captain, we're ready or, you know, something innocuous. Okay, so they talk to each other briefly, right? I mean, there are, I mean, they're... they're, Yeah, there's really no women talking to each other. Yeah, I mean, they talk to each other, but are they talking about a man? Well, I mean, it kind of comes up about Spock, I guess, a little bit. And, and, And there's even, you know, so I guess what I'm getting at is... Star Trek they, Into Darkness is going to fail the Bechdel test. Oh, failed miserably. Well, it's got two women in it, so it, it at least it, passes. Well, okay, so so yeah, was there four four categories? So, twenty five percent still still enough. Right, but you know, I would argue that that forget that. I mean, you look at what Uhura does say. And obviously the criticism is, oh, she's, you know, she's too worried about her relationship with Spock. And well, so what's wrong with that? She's willing to, okay, number one, she goes down. Spock's worried about the relationship too. Well, she goes down and talks to the Klingons, correct? The uh, Uh, right Klingons, Klingons, yes. Okay. Uh, That was relatively brave to do. It was very Uh, brave. You know, but I think the, the issue is that it, so, and I, I agree with you here is that this is where we get into, let's get back to the 13 year old perspective. Okay. This was a good movie. This was an <laughs> enjoyable movie. It was a, I, I love this movie. It was really good. So the, <clears throat> the fact that Ahura's talking to the Klingons didn't work out. I don't think that's significant. Oh, I mean, uh, you know, it just, it doesn't, it doesn't reflect on her failure as a woman. Correct. You know? Well, it doesn't. It, 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 if anything, the scene is meant to show that she is an extremely brave woman. Just as when she transport down and she saves Spock, right? Yeah. From from Khan, I think Spock still is the one who like finishes him off. But I'm still like, if if Ahura doesn't go down there, then Khan crushes Spock's head like a peanut. Right. But you yeah. even mentioned the idea of failure. I mean, so what if a character fails? The question that's not is, right. That's not the important part. The right. important part is this, the courage that she demonstrates on a number of occasions. Right. And, and uh, volunteering to, to be on the front line and, and get after it, you know? Right. And I mean, I think you see that out of both of these characters in, in, in Star Trek Into Darkness. Yes. And that, you know, so that I think when you really get down to it, the underwear scene is, I mean, really, at least for me, the only thing that you could really pick at. And and justifiably so, I would say. Because, well, I, I, like I say, when I saw it the first time, I remember thinking, that was, that was, a, that was like my first thought was like, that was totally unnecessary. Right. That now, doesn't do, sh- that doesn't do one thing for advancing the narrative or these characters or, or anything like that. Right. Now, I also ran across something called the Russo test which is uh, basically uh, LGBT test. And, and, you know, this has three levels as well, that the film contains a character identifiably lesbian, gay, bisexual, or transgender. Two, the character must not be solely or predominantly defined by their sexual orientation or gender identity. And three, the character must be tied into the plot in such a way that the removal would have a significant effect. And, you know, clearly, I mean, obviously here we, we can bring Lost Girl into the discussion and that, you know, obviously that would pass the Russo test with flying yeah. colors. And uh, Warehouse 13 would also Okay, now I haven't seen very that. Well. Okay. Yeah, there's a character on there who, uh, like, it's, it's actually Aaron Ashmore's character and, like, right away reveals that 
he's he's gay but basically that has absolutely very little bearing on his character at all and uh he does he he is kind of removed for a little bit at first and it was like devastating uh you know he's really become so so uh, warehouse 13 would do very well with that test as well okay now i guess what bothers me still and, and we've talked about this before is that i mean I, I i get being drawn to a show you know like you mentioned before you know uh guys gravitate to guys women tend to gravitate you know whatever i so i get that but the you know when when you read uh, you know, forum posts or, or, you know, you hear commentary that, well, if they, you know, if, if they break up, you know, Lauren and Bo, then I'm going to stop watching the show that, you know, that would, that's coward. The show's a great show. It's not just, you know, I mean, there's so much more to it than that, but the way they depict these characters, well, you know, come on, they, they depict them in a positive light and, you know, I right. think th- I think that they should be celebrated for doing that. Uh, and obviously, the other show that does that is Orphan Black. Yes, right. I mean, I would certainly think that passes the Russo test with flying colors as well. Oh man, I can't remember the, the character's name. Her her, her brother, Felix. Well, yeah, him and and uh, the the clone. What's the oh the, oh Casimia? Uh, uh, so yeah, and and obviously that would would pass the Russo test because those are both characters who are they're definitely not defined they they touch on their sexuality but they're not defined by it for sure and uh and if either of those characters are, are off the show i might stop watching it right and then if, especially know, felix if well, they do anything to felix i'm done right well and, and i can't believe that they will but no i don't think so. he's he's huge he, his his leaving the show would be would be devastating right so then when you get down to it you and and i th- you know, it got me to thinking because, you know, I really, you know, it is such an important point. So I started thinking like, all right, genre shows that I like that, that have, uh, that have women in them. And you start thinking that, well, geez, there are so many that the lead character is a female alias with Jennifer Garner's character. Sarah Uh, Connor Chronicles. Sarah Connor Chronicles. Absolutely. Dollhouse. Lost Girl, Dollhouse. I mean, really, like if you want to look for a place in the in the in the arts where females are you know mm-hmm. taking the lead you, you know like sci-fi fantasy supernatural shows are are the place to be and and not just as male fantasy right figures right, right. but well, as actual heroes heroines right, right. And, and one that i know we both agree on that that again if you haven't seen this and that's the the Doctor Who episode Blink, right? You know, that, Sally that, Sparrow. Yeah, and and uh, and Kathy Nightingale. Yep. Right. I mean, the the two young women, and and you know, I mean, obviously, a lot of the material we're seeing now with young women seems to be the, you know, the Hunger Games type or or the action driven type. Sure. And, and but the, there's another one where Candice Everdeen is is a really strong female character. Well, sure, but I mean, see there, but it, there's so much violence associated with it and, and, you know, so much physicality associated with it. And, and certainly it would pass the Bechdel test. But, you know, Blink, you see these, these female characters, you know, in another light. I mean, they, they're certainly in stressful situation, but yep. one, one of my favorite all-time episodes of any TV uh, love show, it, love it. period. The fact yeah. that it's Doctor Who is, you know, not why I love it. Yeah, that's such a great show. Well, that was when 
when I was trying to get you into Doctor Who, I said, okay, watch Blink first. Yep. Yeah, you know, like watch that one and then go from there. So yeah, that's that's an all time great episode. Love watching it. Yeah. Now, one thing I do want to again bring up: it really did bother me that Damon Lindelof, you know, co-writer of this, the you know the screenplay for Star Trek, came out basically apologizing for the scene. I, yeah. I, I guess you know. I, I guess it's just like really grates on my nerves the the amount of political correctness that some people you know feel they have to exhibit i mean uh, this i mean look there are plenty of there are plenty of reasons to be politically correct about certain things you know and right. not to be politically correct just because they're the right thing to do and right. and i i just have a difficult time accepting an artist and that's and I certainly consider Damon Lindelof an artist apologizing for his work well you know he's probably looking at it and saying you know what now in retrospect I look at that scene and and you know maybe it probably there wasn't really that, a lot of justification I think probably what they were thinking is when they put it in, it's just this is kind of funny right yeah it's kind of funny scene it shows like that Kirk is cheeky it reinforces this sexual attraction between the two exactly there's a reason you know there's so, a reason. but it's it's a it's a slim reason well but it, it is okay. a reason okay. but it, it probably you know they probably thought it'd just be kind of funny and people would like take it for a joke and haha and yeah we get to show a hot girl in her underwear for a little tiny bit but you know probably most people just think it's it's a funny scene that shows you oh that kirk he's always He's always looking at people when they're changing, ha, 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 you know. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, they get the backlash, and now they're like, okay, well, we have a potentiality here of, of, of losing audience over this scene. So do I get up there and say, get over yourselves, bite me, F you, I'm not going to apologize yeah, but, yeah, for but shit. Yeah, but see, I would, or, argue, or, I would argue they're not gonna, they wouldn't lose anybody, and, and I think he has to understand mm -hmm. they're, they're not going to lose an audience. I mean, I guess I would just say, just don't say anything. Yeah. Yeah, probably, yeah. But, uh, but uh, you know, I don't know. But then again, I'm a guy. You know what I mean? And and, and I do understand. You that, are a guy, Dave. Right. And, and for that, sure. And that I, I am coming from that sensibility. And, and I'm sure, you know, as sensitive as I'm trying to be to it, I'm a guy. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> I don't know. Anything else? No, that's uh, probably quite a. I, I just, I, I was, I was, you know, just wanted to make sure that we, we talked about the real issue uh, about as much as we talked about, you know, the shows we're watching. <laughs> and I don't yeah. think we did, but that's okay. I think it's, I think it's close. Yeah. I think we're, it's, it's, it's nearly, yeah. maybe, but still, that was cool. That was a good, good convo there, man. All right. Well, I don't think we've talked about, so we're not even going to speculate what we're going to do next. Or, or if we have talked about it, I, well, prob I, mean, I probably I, wasn't yeah. paying attention to you. And you know. I, I, I mean, I th we, we mentioned briefly World War Z. Oh, yeah, you're right. See, have, I, you, have you seen it yet? Have you I have it? not. But, okay. Uh, well, I'll, I'll let you watch it first, and then you can tell me whether you want to talk about it or not. I am predicting that you will, because that is a freaking awesome movie. Okay. Um, but if you watch it and decide that it's a no, then we'll, there's, there's tons of other stuff okay. we can talk about. All right. That sounds good. So 
Thanks for joining us, and you can drop us a line at fatalistpodcast at gmail.com. You can check out the website, fatalist.podbean.com, where you can leave us a voicemail. Uh, you can find us on Facebook. You said you updated something on Facebook? Yeah, I put a, right. a, I threw a, a, a video of Pat Benatar singing Heartbreaker. Oh, okay. She's awesome. And just thinking about like, you know, women, because like, you know, Pat Benatar kind of like. Uh, absolutely like, broke the yeah, gender barrier. Like, she wasn't like a, like one of the, you know, like, a, you know, with a big bouffant haircut with pretty makeup, uh, trying to look like, you know, she was like, you know, and I'm watching this. So here's Pat Benatar front and center of this band. And she is the leader, yeah. right? She's, she's the, 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 the main focus of this band. The rest of the band are dudes, yeah, but they're they're backup. Although Joan, Joan Jett has to be in the in the mix. Joan too, Jett right? too, absolutely. Yeah. Like Joan Jett, Pat Benatar, uh, Stevie Nicks. Um, there was a lot, but t- t- you know, to my mind, Pat Benatar was really kind of like the embodiment of that because uh, you know, as as being like kind of just a like a, a rocker, you know, like on her own terms. Um, and the boys were you know kind of backing her up. So, so anyway, so I put Heartbreak up there. It's All right. A, it's a bitchin' song, too. So. All right. So, uh, and also doing the occasional tweet so that you can keep apprised of what our plans are when we're going into recording and all of that. Hopefully, you'll continue to access us through iTunes. And until next time. Uh, I got nothing. <laughs>